the Lord's worth applauding. Let's give the Lord a clap offering today. He's so great. It's great to see you in church today. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you one more time. It's just great to see you at the end of our service. Please take your seats. We have a live cafe downstairs, and we'd love to get to know you in our guest lounge. It's in the little corner of the uh, cafe there. We'd love to see you. Hey, can you see near and far? Have you got bifocals in your outlook in life? Can you see what some of the things right in front of you are doing well? And can you see that some of those things that you do well now will have far-reaching implications into your future? Can you see near and far? I just wonder how people who perhaps invented the, the petrol engine would have thought about their invention of how much it's changed our lives. Uh, Carl Otto, who uh, did the first engine with uh, Daimler and then uh, Carl Bentz, you know, they, they got together and they kind of formed the first car. And did you know this? That um, it was Carl Bentz's wife who got so sick and tired of waiting for him to go visit his, her sick mother that she jumped in the prototype of the car, drove it 65 miles so that she could go and see him. And that created such a press storm that then Mercedes became the best-selling car to get off. See, what you do now, the implications of what you do now can have far-reaching implications into the future. The needs that you meet right now and the responsiveness that you show right now can change your future and change what might be a destiny. So I want to say to you, the very first lesson that I'd say to you today is be soft and open and don't close your mind and And if the Lord shows you something or you feel like you should do something, have a go and do it because you never know what door and what gate it's going to open. You know, when the World Wide Web, it was invented, it's many streams to how it was invented, but one of the streams is, is that when the Americans saw that the Russians had put the Sputnik uh, spaceship out there and and orbited the earth, they thought to themselves, they're going to be able to knock out our telephone system and we need another way of communicating, so let's get computers to talk to each other. Who would have known that from a need of being protectionist against another nation that now we have the World Wide Web? What you do, the little decisions you make today can have huge implications, not just for you, but for everyone else. Our vision here, it's on the wall downstairs in the foyer, but it lives in my heart, and it's transform lives, transforming lives. Your transformation can have a ripple effect out to so many others, but also when you are transformed, your life goes so much further and faster and so much better. Our theme scripture is this. Hey, why don't you say this, uh, this last bit with me? Now, where the spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
the Lord is into transforming you to be and to walk into that purpose that you were called to be, that He has for you. But you've got to be open. You cannot always know what the implications of what we do now and how important it will be for those people in the future and for everyone who follows us. The Word of God today to you. Maybe you'll hear something even today that will change you now, that will change something way into the future. You know the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 105, the Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The, the, the Word deals with the things right in front of me now and yet shines a direction into the future. And, and if you will hear what the Word is shining on your life now, who knows how much of a future it can make for you. So can I ask you to say to yourself right now and in the Spirit, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be responsive to you. I'm, I'm going to be open to you. You see, your transformation now can really affect way into the future. Can I prove this to you? From our history as a church... Kalichi, will you put up those slides for me? And Pastor Nick, if you'll come and help me a little bit. Um, I want you to look back at at some of the things of how this church came about. You got that, brothers and sisters, there at the back? Or is the PowerPoint crashed? It's there, is it? You got it, guys? It's crashed. Okay, let me tell you some things. After years of intercession... After times of intercession in, in, uh, for many years, uh, an evangelist called George Jeffries came to Birmingham. And what he did was he, he began to hire out and have meetings in Steelhouse Lane, which is opposite the children's hospital. And he, and he hired a congregational church. And uh, the congregational church, uh, lots of people started to come. And first of all, 600 people became Christians in the first couple of weeks. And they went, wow, what's happened here? And then several other people started to come. So much so that the church in Steelhouse Lane got packed out. So then what they started to do is they began to say, well, where should we go now? And they began to have different types of, of meetings. And one of the meetings that they had was that they said, well, let's go to Walford Road. Here we go. Uh, let's go to Wolford Road, and, which was the skating rink. And so much so that it was Europe's largest skating rink and had the capacity for 8,000 people. And uh, Pastor Nick, if you'll just read some of these from, uh, just from the start there. We'll just read okay. a bit of that. Um, Principal George Jeffries at Birmingham. Over 600 converts and many healings. At Foursquare Gospel Revival Fire has broken out in the city of Birmingham, where Principal George Jeffries and his revival party are holding forth. The campaign started as usual with a comparatively small congregation, but the power of God was present. Day by day, the principal has been laying a solid and sure foundation, whilst the congregation has been steadily increasing until today. The fifth day, the place is packed to capacity. The Ebenezer Congregational Church in Steelhouse Lane has become a live centre of Foursquare uh, four uh, revival activity. 
Over 600 have been saved and many testify to miraculous healings. One gentleman who had attended the Welsh Revival meeting said, why? This is like Cardiff again. Uh, Another who was present at the principal's campaign at Leeds declares it is another Leeds Revival. Great conviction rests upon the people and the deep spiritual atmosphere is sensed by the best of Christians. The word of God is being sounded out with grand results. Now, you can call me the principal when I have his anointing, okay? But then what happens is... Next slide, Kalichi. Yeah, so they started having a a revival time. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is it began to grow, and it's at this time of year, from, from April 24th through April 27th, 1930. And we just feel like we want to dig back at the end of April and into May into our history so we can go back to our future. Next slide, if you will. And this is the congregational church, and you can see that the crowds got so large around the congregational church that they were queuing outside. Now, we have a phrase around here, come early and stay late. Wouldn't it be great if whatever time you came, there was such a crowd that the police had to manage it? Wouldn't that be great again? How many of you could say with me, do it again, Lord? Do it again, Lord. So that, so that church has become a police issue. Okay, next slide, if you will. So the revival started spreading and over 4,000 conversions happened. So they said, let's move down to the skating rink. Next slide, if you will, Kalichi. So they booked out and this was their advertising. Now, I'm showing you this so that you know that this story is genuine. This is real newspaper and real magazine articles. This was their advertising slicker. And they wanted to show people, said you can get place to park, there'll be place to seat. And so they, they hired a skating rink. Come on, somebody say it with me again. Do it again, Lord. Okay, next slide, if you will. So this was the crowd in, in the skating rink. Now, they had prayed for several years, and they began to gather, and something began to happen. Now, is it just my faith? You see, let me just say something to you honestly. You are not fodder for my dreams. I am fine with my ministry. I'm working hard. I feel good in the Lord. I feel like I'm a father's son. I'm not trying to prove anything for me here. But I wonder, instead of it just being my faith, is there any faith in this house for us to say, do it again, Lord? Amen? Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Now, I want you to notice something. These people prayed, and this was before we had multicultural society. So you'll notice that everybody there is white. Those people... Those people prayed and said, God, save the nations. They didn't know that the nations were going to come to them. And those people were saying, God, send us to the four corners of the world. Now, from this revival, I'm going to show you, this isn't the end. This is, I'm going to blow your mind in a minute. From this revival, they started praying. Now, at that time, Britain was part, or, or was more, the Commonwealth was more kind of important. And they started praying, Lord, save the commonwealth. They didn't realize that 90 years later, is it 80, 88 years later, the commonwealth's come home. And the commonwealth's come here. 
And they didn't realize when they set out this revival that a church like ours with 65 different nations would be the result. They prayed and said, God, send us. Send us to the world. And God sent them to the world and then sent the world to them. Next slide. So I wanted to show you, so it isn't just a story. Look at all the crowds around around the, the ice skating rink. So they filled the ice skating rink, and they said, where should we go? So they had kind of simultaneous meetings where they'd have some meetings in the congregational church, then some meetings in the, in the ice skating rink, but then guess where they went? They said, you know what? We filled this, we filled that, we need to be in the center of town. Next slide, if you will, Kalichi. So, Pastor Nick, if you'll just uh, read that for us. Sure. The Birmingham Revival, town hall surrounded by four square queues. Um, and this message was received. They produced this uh, pamphlet every week, and this was received like pretty much the day they, before they went to press. Uh, Birmingham's beautiful town hall has been the center of the four square gospel revivalists this week. The spacious auditorium has been absolutely besieged with long queues lining up for hours on four sides until the great block of building right in the heart of the city has been completely surrounded with joyous throngs. When doors are opened, the crowds flood the hall to utmost capacity and multitudes are unable to gain admission. Within, revival fire is burning at white heat. The sword of the Spirit, quick and powerful, wielded by Principal George Jeffries, cuts unmercifully into modernism, higher criticism, formalism and scepticism until such are laid bare. Conviction rests upon the unsaved even in their homes. Unconverted men and women are troubled because of their sins and the fear of God is upon opposers. At the sight of so many getting converted and the miracles of healing that take place at every meeting. Some people weep for joy while others praise aloud. I want to let you know that in my life, I thought that Walt Disney had written the script to life. I thought that life was just about having a laugh. So I looked into uh, hedonism, I looked into taking drugs and all of that, but God reached me with his love by a school teacher who had the courage to say, it may not be PC to tell you the gospel in school, but I'm going to tell you, Mark, that God loves you. You're sitting at the back, messing about, throwing books at other students, but I want to tell you that God loves you. And he invited me to his church and I gave my life to Christ. Because I looked into lots of other things. So I studied evolution. And in the end of the day, having studied it hard and thought, well, can this really be true? I came home to Jesus knowing that his love was the only transforming thing in my life. And I'm announcing the same gospel that... Principal Jeffrey said to you today, God loves you. He cares about you. He would die for you. He did die for you. And he rose again from the dead just so that you could be free. So that they filled up uh, and began to take on the town hall. Next slide, if you will. So they filled the town hall. Now, health and safety wasn't really the same as we have today. They packed out the town hall and... uh, They filled it, and at that time it had three tiers. So it was absolutely heaving. Just put the next slide on. This is the view from the other. uh, No, next slide. Yeah, that's the view from the other slide. The other side. The 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 uh, looking towards the stage, and look at the size of that choir, or or at least they just packed everybody behind the stage. That building was heaving. 
And actually the mayor of Rochdale came and visited the revival. And he commented how much the police were being affected by the revival. And how kind the crowds were to the police. But there were 2,000 people outside who couldn't get in. So they began to think, well, where shall we go? Now, do you know the ICC in, in Birmingham, that used to, the Symphony Hall, that used to be an open big barn area called uh, the Bingley Hall. And that was the biggest place to meet in the whole of the Midlands. So put the next slide on, if you will. Um, could you read that for us, Pastor Yeah, Nick? sure. So this was actually in the uh, secular press on uh, the 5th of May, the Birmingham Gazette. Uh, 8,000 at two services. Principal George Jeffries, the Elim evangelist, has outgrown the Birmingham Town Hall, from which 2,000 people were turned away at his last service there. And multitudes followed him yesterday to the embassy skating rink, Sparkbrook. At a service of healing held during the afternoon, several hundreds were prayed over and anointed with oil as the vast assembly sang with intense religious fervor. Many times the singing was interrupted by a vast cheer from the audience as one or other of the sufferers testified to having felt the touch of healing. It was estimated that at least 5,000 people attended a second service held in the evening. And when the principal asked how many of them had been healed during uh, the Birmingham campaign, 61 testified to having obtained relief from limb disorders, 21 from cancer and tumours, nearly a score from deafness and over a dozen from sight trouble. An appeal for testimony from all who had been healed of any complaint resulted in a roar of hallelujahs. And hands too numerous to count were waved among the crowd. Can I hear a roar of hallelujah today? One of our sisters came to me this morning during church. She said, Pastor Mark, I'm so a bit shy. But, you know, you, we prayed for my healing a, a week or so ago. And now I can move my hand and I couldn't. Can I hear a roar of hallelujah that God is still doing that today? So... They were filled the town hall, and they filled the skating rink. They filled the congregational church. So put the next slide on, if you will. So they now then hired out. And uh, by the way, everything that you know today cost money. So they took offerings as well. They didn't, the Bingley Hall didn't say, sure, have our hall. They said, oh, how much money can we make from you, religious lot? But they said... No, we're going to go for it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I wonder, I just wonder if there's any faith in this house that we could take over the ICC at any time next year. Oh, that's some of you saying, why would we do that? I'll tell you why we would do that. So we could get bigger crowds in so that more people could hear the gospel of the Lord. So they had the Birmingham uh, revival campaign. Put the next slide on, if you will. And the great Bingley Hall, I love this word, don't you, was besieged. That's like a military campaign. It was completely overrun with people. Put the next slide on. And there he is. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Birmingham coming to hear what was going on. What's going on? What's going on today? What could your prayers achieve? You know, there are six babies being born in BCC, or have been born in BCC this month. I wonder what their future will be 
I wonder what legacy we will leave behind. You see, you're going to be okay. God's going to look after you now. But I wonder if you can leave something behind for your grandchildren or even their grandchildren. Pastor Mark, on the, on the day that this photograph was taken, it was Pentecost Sunday, June the 8th, 1930. It was absolutely rammed. And uh, George Jeffries made an announcement that he was able to secure two churches. And one of those churches was the hall at Graham Street from which BCC was born. So you are looking right now at a piece of history that feeds straight into BCC in an unbroken line from Pentecost ser- the Pentecost service on Sunday the 8th of June 1930. That was when that was announced and they, ch- they started the church shortly after that. Yeah, and it, when he announced it, there was a roar of thanksgiving that everybody who got saved said, we have a church to go to. And they bought the building in Graham Street, of which some of our congregation are here who attended. The last slide. And that's the announcement of the buying and the securing of the West Medic building and this. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for all what he's doing. So after years of intercession, the church was born out of a huge revival. Little did they know that we would still be here today touching over 65 nations every week. Little did they think of the legacy that they would leave behind, that mission works would be sent out from all around the country, which I'll explain later. But shall we just rejoice that we have a great history? What about today? What about stories of transformation right now? Does it all happen in an instant or will we have to be a church whereby we say, I've got time to help you process your stuff so that you can come to faith, life and healing? Or are we all too busy and we all just want to come on a Sunday, sing a few songs and go home? Or what type of church will we be when old people are robbed amongst us? Will we be able to replace back what they've been stolen from because we are family and community here? What type of church will we be? Maybe stories today of transformation can be the best stories as well. Would you just put that story of Ruth on the screen as well, please, and play that film? You got it? Because today, it won't all be that we do it kind of just instantly that we will have transformation now. Hi, my name's Ruth. Um, I, I um, actually went away from the church when I was 17 after growing up in a Christian family. Um, obviously, I made my own decisions, wanted um, um, to take charge of my own life. And actually, because I grew up in a Christian family, um, I listened to the lies that said I was closeted and that I needed to get out and experience life. So that's what I did. And I came back to BCC when I was 27. Um, during my time away, um, I actually met a fella, got engaged, we split up. And then after that, I sort of went down um, a long spiral where I made silly decisions, um, ended up in relationships that weren't good for me and um, ended up going down a dark and, a dark and lonely road um, where I ended up taking an overdose. 
Now, it took me a year before I actually came back to church, um, but the Lord did stop me at that point where I, was, where I took the overdose, and he worked with me to undo some of the damage that had already been done. But actually, when I came back, the love that I received here and the acceptance and the understanding that I had actually really, really touched my heart. But I stayed away for three months because I couldn't cope with it at that time. But I came back. If you're going through things, the family here will support you. There is acceptance here. There is not, not any judgment at all. Come, receive what the Father has for you. Receive the redemption that you need. In Jesus' name. Amen. You see, transformation can happen in the miraculous, but also transformation happens when we are in for the long haul with people and walk them through what they are going through. When we begin to say, let's be the church that we were called to be. Ruth and the acceptance of her transformation was not through miraculous Holy Spirit, although it was that but it was also through love and acceptance of people. Can you be that type of church? I believe you can. As I said earlier, this month we've had six babies born in BCC, and I think God is saying to us, what will we be like so that our decisions now, so that future generations can know what the gospel is like? I see buildings being built all over Birmingham at the moment. Commercial buildings. I see enough new mosques. There are enough new mosques. I see all of that and I ask myself, will we go again for the future generations? Will we do something that's transformational, not only for us, and it will benefit us and it will be a now thing, but can you look down the generations and say, I want to make a difference for their lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? You see, we have a problem. And our problem is that we could just cycle around. This could just be a great atmosphere. We could stay at this level all the time and it'll be great. And some people will get saved and some people will get healed. And it'll all be great. But it'll be a Hezekiah thing, as the, or the Bible says. There'll be a kind of, oh, well, this next 15 years is fine. See me out the door and I'm okay. But personal transformation only comes, really, when we take ownership of what God's calling us personally to do and to serve Him for ourselves, both in our ministries out there, uh, in our workplaces, but here in this house and in our community. You see, as you are faithful, you will go further. As you're faithful to what God wants you to do, You'll go further in your own personal growth, but you've got to own that. You know, in the Old Testament, there's two outstanding examples of how God had a higher plan for people, but he gave them something simple to do first. And had they refused that simple thing, I'm not sure they would have gone to the higher level. Saul, we find that his first job when we pick him up in the Bible is that he has to go find his father's donkeys. And he looks around for his father's donkey and he's met by Samuel and says, you're not a donkey catcher, you're a king. And there's some people in here, God's going to give you 
He's going to give you the job of finding some donkeys for a while. And you're thinking, God, this isn't my destiny. And God's, and God's saying, yeah, I know. But I'm testing you. I'm seeing if you're faithful. You know, King David, we all know about the, the great story with Goliath. Do you know why David got to that battlefield? His father, I don't know why Jesse kept missing him out. But his father said, David, I'd like you to take cheese for your brothers and ask how they are. He was a cheese carrier. And God didn't let him stay as a cheese carrier. If it, Jesse saw him as a cheese carrier, God saw him as a mighty warrior. And I want to say to you today, you may have to find some donkeys, you may have to go carry some cheese, but God's going to meet you on the way and take you up to his level. But here's the thing, some of you are kind of missing that stage out. You want to go straight to being king. Oh God, you've called me to be a king. I'm not carrying cheese. Don't you realize, unless you carry the cheese, you'll never be the king. Unless you are faithful in small things, you won't get to walk in the destiny that God's got for you. So I want to say to you, let's go chase some donkeys. And even if we don't find them, while we're being faithful with that, God's going to lead us to be the thing that he's really called us to be. So I want to ask you today, would you carry something in this house? As something as simple as shaking somebody's hand. And something as simple as, as teaching some, some children's work. Carry something. Even if you think, man, that's not what my, my, my destiny is. That may be the doorway, not the stepping stone. Because discipling children is a high honor. The doorway to a future destiny for you. So you have to really understand that being faithful will take you further. And what we often want to do is leapfrog over that faithful stage. And God's saying, come and serve me first. You see, we need to have in our church both a near and a far vision. Our church can be both an engine room for the city and also an outreach hospital post for the outer reaches of our city. We need to build more space here. We use our terries three times a year because have you noticed that we only have summer three days a year? And what I would like to do, I would like us to build over our terrace. I'd like us to put a balcony in here so that we become a big engine room, a missionary sending church all over the Commonwealth again. So that we once again push back the idea that church is shrinking, that actually it needs to expand. And some of you will be called to be engine people in the house. You will be like passionate cylinders that cause energy from this house all over the nations. But it'll be this house that you'll serve. And God will call you to that. You see, what we're going to do in the next few weeks, we're going to bring our food bank away from our big warehouse where we're all saying, yay, we've got a two-story warehouse. We're bringing it into our church and taking up a room downstairs. We're going to bring it in and the reason and the heart behind it is we want to bring the people who use the food bank into our house so that they can receive more of the love of Jesus. We feel like they're a bit disconnected. Some of you need a recall to food bank. And what we're going to do is as we take up that space, we're going to need more space. So we may need to do some expansions over the next few years.
But we want to create our facility here so it can become a healing center. So that the best ministries from all over the world come and bless us here. But also that something's going on here where we're not just showing up late. We have to get up here early because the crowds are so large. But during that time, we will still minister to the Ruths and to the people who need personal attention. I want to start a prayer army. Now, the thing about an army is this. With an army, you get to say, you don't get to say whether you show up or not. You sign up and you're conscripted to it. And over the next few months, I'm going to describe to you what I mean by a prayer army. But people who are so committed to making this place filled with the Holy Spirit that you will be our intercessors and carry the load spiritually. Because before we do anything, we need to carry this house spiritually. So if that's you and that sits with you, that you want to be part of a prayer army, begin to start praying about it. We need more space here so we can generate income so that we can reach out more and and heal some of the abuses in our city. We need to create space here so that we can grow. But at the same time, you see, us bringing Food Bank in is kind of a backwards move because in one sense we bring it in so we can reach out. And at the same time, we don't want to just bring things into the house. We want to reach out. We want to be an outreaching church so that in a strange way, the engine begins to move out all over the city. Do you know something from our history? Do you know that this church started the Alton Road Elam Church? It was founded by here. The Winston Green Elam Church was founded here. Life Central in Hales Owen was founded from this church. Crosspoint Church in Great Bar is founded by this church. Wheelie Castle Elam Church is founded by this church. Why would we not do more and better than what we've done in the past? Why would that only be just part of our history? The Erdington Elam Church was founded out of this church. And I'm missing one or two out. This church has planted churches all over this city. This church has planted a church in India. This church has planted a church in the Philippines. This church has supported works for years in Swaziland. Why would the, the generation that's now be expected to do any less? But it's not by pressure. It's by us saying, God, I'm open. Do whatever you want to do with me. That's all it takes. But that's all it takes. So if we just want to cycle around and, and just come to church, that's, that's okay for you. But I wonder if God's got a measure and a deep healing that he wants you to do so that you can break the trafficking and the sex trafficking in this city by the outreaches that we do. In four years' time, we've invited the world to Birmingham in the Commonwealth Games. I've already got 10 churches who I'm inviting to be on board so that we can do an outreach across the whole city and win the world and plant things across the Commonwealth Games. God is moving here. And we need to say to ourselves, should I get on board? When will I get on board? You see, here's the thing. 
Put the last slide on, if you will. Your schedule is hard-pressed, and I understand that. You work lots of things in your job, and you need to serve God where you are out there, scattering uh, the love of God in your hospital, in your university, in your workplace, and that is appropriate, and that's fine. But if you say to yourself, maybe sometime I'll get round to it, or, or I'm retired now and so that's all gone now, then what will happen is you'll miss it. Things will happen all around you. And the, the funny thing is that right when Jesus came, in the white heat of him healing people, there were some people who went, Messiah? Who's the Messiah? I know it's not the Messiah. Because they weren't open to him. You see, what you've got to do is begin to say to yourself, am I open? God, what is the transformation in my life you've got for me? And what's the transformation you want, you want to use through me? So I know that your schedule's hard, but three things it will take for us to begin to move into the preferred future of God. Number one, it's going to take our time. Some of you don't have much time. You know where I say, some people don't have much time, but they've got loads of money and they, they give loads of money and that's great. But we've all got some time, some time to pray, some time to connect, some time to smile, some time to reach out, some time to come to one thing, some time to be able to put your arm around somebody and say, hey, how are you doing today? We've all got time to encourage. Can I hear an amen? amen. So it's going to take some of your time. It's going to take some of your money. Let me just be open with you and honest with you. That you're going to have to say to yourself, God, what do you require of me to be able to seed into things? Is it, maybe your first step is to begin to put your house in order as far as your money is concerned. And you will take love offerings to say, can we heal what's happening with Frank and Joan? Could that be a dead issue today, after today? Is it will take some love offerings, it will take some commitment. And the third, uh, third area is our commitment. Our commitment and our recommitment. Our sense of saying, my life is precious in God's sight and I'm going to commit to His ways in my life. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Because I want to ask you to take your next step to your next level. Now, don't miss this. On Wednesday night, I was teaching about Moses that he often used his staff to get things done. And God said to him at the brook of Mirabah, he said to him, just speak to the rock. You see, what God was trying to do to Moses was take him up a level, was taking him past where he knew. And I believe that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to go past what you know and take you up to another level. So here are some lessons from today. Let me prophesy over you actually. I prophesy over you today. I know that this is a word from the Lord. That God is, is going to use you in something that doesn't seem significant. But He will bring great purpose through that thing. 
He's going to give you a donkey and cheese assignment. And you'll think at first, how can this be God? And I prophesy right now that as you do that, your greater purpose will come through. Will you receive that in Jesus' name? Here's the second lesson from today. God wants you to go to another level. And it will mean that you'll do things that you haven't done before. You'll pray in ways that you haven't prayed before. But it will take your time, your money and your commitment to do that next level. So the thing that you'll need to do is to be able to say right now, God, I just want to lay those things before you. Here's the third lesson from today. Your personal transformation is not just for you. It will affect others. Yet, you will be transformed. And you will go to greater purpose and destiny. But through your personal transformation, it will affect so many others. So please, would you just raise your hand with me? And can you say this from your heart and pray a line after me? Father, I give you my schedule. Come on, everybody together. Father, I give you my schedule. Lord, you see everything I have to do. I lay it before your feet now. If you want to change it, if you want to rearrange it, that's fine by me because I make space for you now in my schedule that was a long prayer here's the short version God I give you my time come on everybody together say it together God I give you my time here's the second prayer put one hand down lift the other one up or both of them Father, I give you my money. I dedicate my finances to you. They are yours first. It all belongs to you. Provide for me, Lord. I'm not ashamed to ask for your provision. But everybody together. But God, I dedicate my money to you. You are first in this area. And lastly, will you pray this with me? I commit to you, Lord. My life is yours. My first commitment is to you. I commit to you before my workplace. Just as an aside, don't say this bit. Your workplace is really important. You can serve the Lord there. But don't make your career an idol. Put the Lord first in everything. So say it with me. Raise your hand with me one more time. I commit to you first, Lord. And I give you my commitment.
If you're here and you need some prayer and some healing, or you would like to take communion as we sing this last song, let's do that. But I want to say to you, transform lives, transforming lives means that your transformation can change many others. But you know what? You will benefit. You will be different. Carry some cheese. Look for some donkeys. Because God may just be making you a king. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's praise Him. He is so worthy.